at the underscore hunt 08. You are tuning in to Thunder Chats. Ho! Today was a very special day in Thunder Nation and the NBA world in general. It was media day where we met some new faces for the Thunder and where we got some interesting tidbits of news. And here to help me break that down is a good friend from Thunder's Intentions, uh, who I did not have time to prepare a legendary intro for. Uh, but you guys know him. You guys love him. Stephen Dolan. Stephen, what's up, man? Hey, dude. I, I, I forgive you for the lack of intro. Honestly, I prefer it. It makes me blush less. <laughs> hey, the last one was an all-timer, so I yeah. guess that covered for two. <laughs> Seriously. No no joke. All right, man. Well, hey, it was media day. Did did you get to watch all of the interviews? Yeah, I was watching at work because I have a boring job. So I, I get to do that kind of thing. Uh, don't tell my boss. <laughs> hey, your secret's safe for me, man. As long as he doesn't listen to Thunder Chats, then mm, we, we don't got no What's help there. Cool about it. What's kind of cool about it is that, uh, and it sounds like a bad thing, but it was pretty boring, right? Like in the grand scheme when you compare it to last year? Yeah, there was definitely no who me. Or, uh, hey, P, they said I got to come off the bench. Um, it, what was it? Nary a hoodie. Yeah, yeah. There, nobody was wearing any hoodies. There was no hoodie mail up in there. You know, it, it was just pretty standard. You know, it was typical Thunder Media Day, which is full of no drama. Um, but that doesn't mean there's not some things to talk about. So I'm ready to dive in. You ready to dive in, man? Yeah, absolutely. I just, like – I. You know, I'm an accountant, so which is the stereotypical boring job. And I was trying to watch it for some entertainment. So I, I think it's a, a negative for me personally that it, there was no hijinks like that. But I think for the team and for the future of the team, it's a positive. Yeah, no news is good news, they say, you know. Right. The opposite right. with publicity, you know, for some reason. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. All right, man. Well, uh, let's jump right into the first interview of the day, and that being the head coach, Billy Donovan. Um, hey. You know, like you said, there, there wasn't a lot of super hot takes being, being thrown around, but Billy did have some noteworthy things to say. Why don't you go ahead and kick it off, man? Has Billy ever had anything ever worthy of a hot take? He's legendary in coach speed, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, if you can find a hot take in something he says, then you should be a lawyer. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't – he, he kept it pretty standard. He talked a little bit about the pace and stuff that Presti mentioned. Um, he dodged a few questions for obvious reasons about Russ's injury and and things like that that aren't, aren't his purview. Uh, but I think the thing we all wanted to hear him talk about was who's going to start at the four – and he basically declined to answer that too, uh, citing a lack of information, right, with, with the turnover that we've had on the roster. Mm-hmm. So he, he, he kind of just mentioned that there were a lot of players that see how they work with the rest of the team uh, before he made that decision, which which makes sense. You, you don't want to lock. Patterson in as the starter, and then it turns out that I don't know. A, he forgot a how to shoot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or or like a 
Abrinas has taken a real leap on the defensive end, and then his, Patterson's shooting isn't as important, or or TLC is a real, real player, and the same thing, right? Then then maybe Grant's defense is, is the priority in the starting lineup. So it, he's right. We want to see all the way through training camp and maybe even through the preseason before he locks that decision down. Yeah, for sure. Um, the the couple of things that really stood out to me that Billy said, um, aside from what you said, is um, I forgot who asked him about it, but they, they was basically asking him about the fit between Dennis Schroeder and Russell Westbrook. And, mm-hmm. he, he you know, he mentioned what we already knew, that he was he had the opportunity to sit down with Dennis prior to, uh, to him being traded to us. And, uh, you know, he said the thing that he picked up from Dennis is he was a competitor. You know, he wanted to win. He wanted to do whatever it took to win. So whether that means coming off the bench, whether that means playing alongside Russell Westbrook in closing moments, um, you know, he, he's willing to do that. He's, you know, he's bought into this role. Um, the yeah. other thing he said was uh, I think somebody asked him about, you know, Dennis's defensive – being a defensive liability. And he said, you know – if, if you look at Dennis, I don't think it's a matter of skill or, you know, I, I guess body type that limits his defensive potential. It's, you know, it's his desire. You know, I mean, you look at him the last couple of years, he's been the, you know, leading guy on offense in Atlanta. And that's all he was asked to do. That was his primary role. So if he's putting, you know, 100% of his energy in offense, then he has very little to spare on the defensive end, so he's going to get burnt. Um, and I'll talk about that a little bit more when we get to Dennis, but I thought it was interesting to hear, you know, Billy already stick up for a player that hasn't even suited up for the Thunder. Um, yeah, I, I thought that was a fun takeaway for sure. Yeah, and let's let's do talk about that a little bit more when we get to Dennis. Uh, well, but, yeah, I think, you know, back to Billy, like he, he, he mentioned all the players that are new that he wanted to see work with the with the team before making a decision and he mentioned a lot of guys he mentioned uh Schroeder and Nader and Timothy which I, are we calling him Timothy now because I was led to believe it was Timote I've heard Timothy I've heard Timmy I've heard Tim I've heard Timote uh, I guess it's tomato tomato at this point I was listening to the beginning of the Dream Teams podcast on my way home from work and they said that it's Timothy, so I guess Timmy is fine. I I was people called him Timo because that first vowel was a e sound. Hmm. I I don't know, man. <laughs> I guess we could call him whatever we need to call him. He's not going to get upset about it. Name. So nobody expects us to be able to pronounce it, even yeah. though I'd like. Um. He mentioned him. He, they even mentioned Nader, who got a surprising amount of talk, but we'll talk about him later, too. Uh, I was a little disappointed that he didn't also mention Diallo, just because I hope he has a good role with this team. I know you do as a, a Wildcats aficionado. Yes, sir. Uh, and that he didn't mention him doesn't mean that he won't, but it would have meant that he would if he had been mentioned, and I think that it was something I hoped to see, but he really didn't get any hype out of this, except from yeah. Barry Trent, who <laughs> yeah. thought he was two people. 
Yeah, we'll we'll definitely hit that here a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's like I was saying earlier. You know, I think it's it's more of Hami is kind of a piece for the future. You know, if you look at the Thunder and you look at all the wings they had with the bringing of Ferguson and now TLC and now Abdel Nader, they have a lot of toys to play with. And if there's anybody that loves experimenting with lineups in the NBA, it's Billy Donovan. So I think those four players for sure are going to get their fair share of run, their fair share of chances in, you know, pivotal moments and garbage time. Um, you know, just different situations, different looks at different guys just to kind of see what works. Um, and I think when you have that many pieces, um, really for bench wings, because none of those guys are going to be starting as long as Robertson and George are healthy. Um, so when you have four guys that you can switch in and out in the two the two three three spot, then you know Hami and Burton both kind of get left out on the wayside. You know that's not to say that they're not part of their plans for the future. More so Hami than Burton because he's actually signed to a three year contract. Yep. Um, but I just think it's I think it's more of a, a embarrassment of riches at the uh, at the bench. You know two three three spot. So or so we hope so. Anyways. <laughs> embarrassment of riches my my thought of it is more like like throws at a dartboard yeah at random and it's kind of the the process but for the wings so they're just hoping one of them works out and my hope isn't that diallo is given a larger opportunity than any of those and that any of those others suffer from that opportunity my hope is that he he explodes out of the gates and and claims it, you know, but maybe he still will. But it's it's I think it's apparent from Billy Donovan leaving him out that he hasn't yet, which is fine. Like you said, he's one of the youngest guys in the league. But I hope it does happen. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, you know, we, we've touched on Diallo a little bit, and might as well go ahead and talk about him. But before we do that, we have to mention uh, somebody who a certain a Thunder Media person might actually think is Hamadou Diallo, um, a guy who is about five inches taller, a complete different skin tone and nationality. Uh, <laughs> just, just a complete different name, completely different person, plays a different position and everything. Um, but that being Tyler Davis, uh, we, won't, we won't call out the reporter. If you know, you know. If you don't know, you can easily find it. Um, a certain reporter. What is it? I kind of did already earlier. No, that was before the pod, I think. Uh, okay. Maybe. <laughs> I, hey, if it's there, it's there. But Tyler Davis, um, he played at Texas A&M, right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. I don't know a lot about him. He he looks, he looks athletic and Sam Presti likes, like Sam Presti would like him. And he wanted some questions. Right. Did you hear that? He was like, come on, guys. Uh, yeah, for the the unnamed or maybe previously named reporter, I, that was so funny because then, like, you could hear him on the mic going, I don't remember if he said, wait, this is Tyler Davis or wait, this isn't Hamadou Diallo. <laughs> yeah. Like, you could hear people around him. <laughs> Even afterwards, you could hear uh, you could hear Andrew Select actually like I, I was trying to tell you to stop, and then you kept going. He's like, "No, 
and then he said his name. <laughs> you could hear it like while the players were fishing out. It was funny. Um, then we well, got he all. Oh, go ahead. A few other moments in the in the thing. I he I I feel like he made a point of calling Patrick Patterson slow several times. <laughs> he was trying to ask how he could still be good when he was so slow, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, he called Jeremy, and this was just a tongue slip up, but he called Jeremy Jimmy once. Yeah, I saw your tweet where you said Jimmy Butler at OKC confirmed. He's he's obviously having a Freudian slip because he's holding that story back. <laughs> um, the only other thing to really take away from Tyler Davis is a friend of the pot, Alex Roig, actually asked the question if he was going to play for the Puerto Rico national team or not. And Tyler Davis, you know, kind of got real with us for a little bit. He's like, you know, I'm a two way player. You know, I, I kind of can't afford to miss any time. I can't afford to, you know focus on anything else like this is my focus that's not to say i'm not going to play for the puerto rico national team but eventually i definitely will it's just you know at this point it's you know if you're not performing then you could get cut like that so uh kind of opens the window into uh into the life of a fringe nba player yeah uh, that was a really candid answer i I think it was one of the most honest things you'll hear a (laughs) basketball players say to the media he'll he'll learn not to be so honest <laughs> and it, it just didn't look right seeing somebody else wear josh eustace's number but oh was he 34 yeah <laughs> i didn't realize i guess the door the door is officially closed then yep it's it's a sad day but the guy that uh tower davis was mistaken to being is in fact hamadou Diallo, uh, rocking the number six jersey um, he came out there and, you know, they asked him about, you know, what his night was like on draft night being traded. He basically just said, you know, it was a crazy night, you know, emotions running high because he was on this team and he's on this team. Um, but he, you know, he wasn't officially on the Thunder until the Dwight, Troward, Dwight Howard trade went through. So, you know, his emotions were running high. He was real tense. But he said basically after the draft, I've just been working. I've just been working out, you know, trying to, you know, I think his exact words was, I've been trying to kill it. And, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, and you saw that in Summer League, man. You know, I mean, he exploded onto the scene, showing ridiculous athleticism, um, showing a little bit of a handle, which as a Kentucky fan, I was shocked to see, showing a little bit of a jump shot, which I was shocked to see. So, and, uh, of course, that patented defensive potential. So, I'm really excited about Hami. What would you take away from his interview? Man, I feel the same way. I, I think he could really be something. Um, and it, it's interesting that, that there was a clip I found and tweeted out that he was on some elite conglomeration of a AAU basketball team with Terrence Ferguson. Yeah. Back in the day. So that's pretty cool that they have that connection. It's also interesting that, uh, you know, for Mikey Barra, the Thunder were considering taking him last year and then they just and then they took Ferguson instead because he didn't come out and then they now 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 we have both of them that's pretty cool um and then all, everything you said about the summer league totally agree I think he was really impressive and showed a lot more than people were expecting and there's I don't I don't know if most people are as crazy of a Thunder fan as me but I watched that whole 30 minute clip of him taking jump shots in an empty gym 
And I thought, <laughs> hey, I mean, in the off season, I don't blame you at all. <laughs> but uh, I mean, anything to learn about a player, especially after the draft. I mean, I I was watching videos of uh, what was it, Dante Grantham. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, whenever he signed his uh, training camp deal, I guess. Uh, you know, I've watched tape on Bryce Alford. You know, I, I I've done exactly what you've done, man. So don't feel bad. Well, and there's ways to watch that stuff, right? You don't want to watch it to see how many shots he makes because, spoiler alert, he's gonna make all the shots. Uh, mm-hmm. If there's if there's one that he misses, then they edited poorly. Yeah. But he, but what you can watch for is you can look at a highlight video from him in college and compare his form to how it is in those videos and see what he's working on. And I, I think that his his shot has gotten a lot smoother. Um, and I hope yeah. that continues. Uh, progress is, you can see progress in those. Yeah, there's not as much of a hitch in a shot anymore, which is uh, super, super, um, I almost say concerning, uh, super encouraging. That's the word. I'm at a loss for words right now, man. Yeah, the opposite the opposite of what you almost said. Yeah, um, and then uh, again, shout out friend of the pod, Alex Roy. Uh, he was really he was reeling those questions in the last half. I think he got like every last question on almost every player he asked one. Um, yeah, I wonder if that's like a a, a, a seniority thing, or or if he planned it that way. Yeah, just so it's like the last thing you're thinking about is his question. <laughs> but, yeah, he asked if, uh, you know, Hami would be interested in competing in the NBA Slam Dunk Contest. And Hami was like, you know, you know, if I'm invited, I would absolutely love to. And he's like, I just got to have plenty of chances to show off my bounce. So, uh, hey, Hami to the Slam Dunk Contest, uh, I am fully on board for that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's But that's – that might be the only potential source of locker room trauma drama with this team because uh, Ferguson won it in it last year. So if Hami just comes in and scoops it up, like they might, they might have to go at it. And there was talk about Jeremy Grant, his first year with the Thunder. Man, I just want to see the Thunder slaves on contest. <laughs> yeah, cancel one of the preseason games. <laughs> Yeah, Paul George competed a few years ago, too, so. Who's that? Paul George, when he played in Indiana, he competed a few years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I know it was like it, – it was that weird year where they had, like, team dunkers, and there was three from the West and three from the East, and I know it was like Paul George, John Wall, and somebody else uh, okay. for the East, but, yeah. Oh, they just need better dunkers. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, hey, moving on from Hamadou Diallo, and let's talk about Paul George. Look at that transition. Man, I'm getting better at this. <laughs> um, so, Paul George, obviously, uh, the first thing that stands out as soon as he sits down is he no longer has a beard. He traded facial hair with Clay Thompson. Uh, breaking news, you heard it here from Thunder Chats first. Clay Thompson's rocking the chin strap goatee, and Paul George only has a goatee. Your thoughts, Stephen Dolan? Uh, just about the facial hair? Yeah, stunned me a little bit. I mean, he he (laughs) did it during the summer, and then I feel like he went back and then did it again. Is that true? I I feel like he he Instagrammed something of him with that new cut, and then 
But when I saw him playing at Rico Hines and whatever, he had the full, he had his, he had hair on his cheeks. Mm-hmm. You know, he went back to it, right? Yeah, I, I think so. And he also had that picture of him with uh, uh, the cornrows uh, yeah. early in the summer. Oh. I, I did not love that look. He had those cornrows at uh, at that house party. But he had a hat on the whole time. Mm-hmm. As he was embarrassed that he, quote, didn't have no hang, which is something I had to Google. <laughs> <laughs> this is a... Uh... Man, but uh, I mean, he and he got rid of it super quick. When when I feel like with, I mean, you know, his hair was getting pretty long towards the end of the season last year, so I feel like it was something he had been planning for a while, getting getting that weave, and uh, he got rid of it immediately. Yeah, but hey, let's uh, enough about his hair. <laughs> Let's talk about what he said. Uh, you know, the first thing he said, obviously, um, they said, you know, you made a huge decision coming back to Oklahoma City. Um, go ahead and talk about talk about it a little bit there, Steve. I I honestly didn't hear most of what he said because I was just in all in my own head being like, oh, my God, this guy is still on the team. <laughs> like – yeah, he signed the contract and whatever, and, and there was the announcement and the tweets and the Woj and the Shams and the Royce, and then the summer and he's hanging out with Russ, and then you see him today and he's still got that thunder on his chest, man, and it almost made me cry. Like I'm not, <laughs> it was it was amazing. I was so happy. Stephen Allen crying over Paul George and blushing over my intros. At work. <laughs> Um, but no, uh, well, since since you were just marveling at him in a Thunder jersey, uh, I, I'll talk about this for a second. Um, he basically said that you know they talked about the prospect of him choosing a small market over a large market in LA, obviously. And he said, you know, I think my time in Indiana helped me make this decision because you know I saw what it was like in a small market. I saw how a small market can thrive. I saw you know, how fans can get behind a small market team. Um, you know, you don't have to be one of the biggest markets in the NBA to be successful. You don't have to be one of the biggest markets in the NBA to get exposure. And, you know, that, that's basically what he said. And he's like, you know, and ever since I came to Oklahoma City, you know, I established a relationship with Russ. I established a relationship with Steven, Billy Donovan, Sam Presti. You know, he just went down the line. And, you know, he just – he talked about it. He said, you know, this is home. He, he said later in the uh, – interview with Michael Cage was and Luke Aslan. He's like, you know, this is home now. This this is my home. And, you know, like, th- that seems surreal because a year ago, today, everybody was like, you know, Paul George's rental in OKC. Paul George is renting a house, not buying a house in OKC. He's going to LA next year. And, yeah, Colin Cowherd, shout out to, uh, anyways, <laughs> um, you know, everybody was saying that. So, it, it's surreal to you know, see the 360 turn that, uh, you know, he's come from. Um, and obviously, you know, he they asked him about Dennis, and he's like, you know, Dennis is a great player. I'm excited to play alongside of him. They talked about Dre. And he's like, you know, I'm excited to, you know, play alongside Dre again. You know, he's a great defensive team. You know, we've got big plans this season. You know, he was very upbeat, very, I mean, for lack of a better term, he was hype. And um, 
then of course they asked him about the party at Russ's house and he basically was like, who, who was at that party? He's like, yeah, you ought to ask them how it was. It was, <laughs> if you wasn't at that party, then you missed out. Yeah, exactly. And there was a room before that party that they weren't allowed to take their phones. And I don't think that turned out to be true, but, but yeah. I, I, you know, like uh, Andre Robertson also said he called himself an Oklahoman while he was talking along the lines of Paul George calling it home. And mm-hmm. Uh, that's it's interesting uh like billy donovan was asked if if paul george deciding to re-up speaks to the organization and and billy donovan true to form said you'll have to ask paul george and then and then talked for a while and then said yes it speaks to the organization (laughs) (laughs) but in in true billy form true billy form but it's it's just so great like i I mean, I don't know. I mean, we, we've talked about it. We talked about it when the season ended, but it, it really is becoming real now. Um, and I, as far as uh, – I'm sorry, what was the, the first thing you mentioned about Paul George? The first thing I mentioned was facial hair, but um, just how he said, you know, Oklahoma City's home and how he said that being a small market helps him make market. his decision. Yeah, that's it. I, I – that seems like it could be just one of those things he just says because he <laughs> he doesn't just say things. He says things that are going to make – he tries to make people emotional, you know, or, like, tries to tries to make a news bite. Which yeah, I, he tries to make a memorable. Memorable. We're here talking, talking, trying to get strangers to listen to us. It's not like we can't. <laughs> This is fair. Um, the last thing he said, um, again, shout out Alex Roy for the question. He asked about the similarities between uh, his season last year and Kawhi Leonard's season this year, and if he's you know been in contact with Kawhi about you know his situation. And Paul was like, "Yeah, you know, I'm I'm actually real close to Kawhi. You know, we both grew up in South LA. We both wanted to go home." That didn't happen, and you know, I've I've been in touch with him. It's like you know, wherever you go. Just be open, be honest. And uh, at, at this point, it doesn't seem like Kawhi's taken that advice. But what, what was it? He's not being honest. Yeah, no, he's just, he just you know, he's laughing. He's, he's being fake and, you know, lying because he's, he's not used to laughing. But that's just, that's, I can't imagine that's true. Yeah. It, it was. It, I mean, it was just. It was cool, you know, because like, obviously on Stat Chasers, you know, Stu Stu Gardner's my co-host. He's a huge Raptors fan. He wants Kawhi to stay, you know, as bad as anybody else in Toronto. Uh-huh. And uh, you know, it Kawhi is not going to give you anything as a Raptors fan because he's Kawhi. But that little tidbit from Paul George is just, you know, just a little bit more hope to hold on to because obviously we saw what Paul George decided to do. So. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was cool. Yeah. But we're not uh, a Raptors it, podcast. <laughs> it, it, it's, it was cool unless uh, oh, I leave, and then it was mean. <laughs> yeah, it was cruel. It was twisting the knife. Way to go, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we did talk about a second ago, we talked about Dre. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Dre came to the podium, and – this, I, I got. I got to confess. This is the first year I've actually watched the press conference. So 
this might be how he acts all the time, but Dre was super upbeat. Like, he was happy. Like, he was smiling. He was almost, you know, bouncing in his chair. Um, you know, he, he had a lot of energy. And you could tell he was excited to be back in the building. He was excited to be one step closer to the season starting. And obviously, you know, the first question was about his injury. And go ahead, Steven. I, I assume I assume he wasn't shocked to see Andre Robertson in a Thunder uniform. So you could probably cover this. Right. No, I – the main thing that struck me about his interview was just how cool he is. Like, I, I wanted to be his friend, you know. He seemed like a really nice guy. Uh, he, I saw a lot of people tweeting that Russell Westbrook wasn't limping or on crutches or in a wheelchair or anything. Mm-hmm. And I did not see anybody tweeting that about Dre again kind of like Billy not mentioning Hami could mean nothing it would have meant a lot if they had said it but it could mean nothing that they didn't say it um I hope he's fine but he, he yeah like you said he seemed in good spirits I think Personally, I mean, you know, you saw how, how uh, he there that previous report had happened where he said he hopes to be back by Christmas or by December. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And people took that as, oh, he's going to be out till December. And then he clarified a little bit today in the press conference that what he meant is he hopes to be back to the elite level by December. And... I don't know how everybody else feels about it, but personally, unless the medical staff and the coaching staff feel like there's some benefit to his health from getting real game court action, if he's not back to that elite level, I hope he just doesn't play. Well, I think a lot of that is, you know, kind of getting back into the swing of things. So obviously, you know, honestly, as as long as you want to hold him out, like, I mean, you could hold him out to the playoffs and throw him out there. And he's not going to be Andre Robertson right off the bat, no matter how healthy he is. Um, it, it, you know, it's health and it's, you know, getting back into swing things, like I said. Um, the thing that I thought was really interesting that he said, and, you know, the way he put it, he put it really beautifully. Like, I couldn't have put this together any better. Um, he said, you know, there's a diff- difference in participation and performance. And, you know, when I say December, I'm saying, you know, that's, that's my goal for performance wise. Like you said, you know, he mentioned himself as an elite defender and I'll talk about that in a second, but he said in terms of participation, you know, being clear for basketball activities, you know, there's no telling when that can happen. But uh, I, I thought it, you know, it put a really um, defined light on his situation because, you know, like you said, everybody kind of jumped to conclusions like, Oh, he's out till December. You know, what are the Thunder going to do with shooting guard? What are they going to do without their defense? La, 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 la. Dre's like, no, I'm I'm going to be back before December. I hope to be back before December. I just don't anticipate myself being elite until December. Um, so I, I thought that was really interesting. And, you know, the participation versus um, performance was, you know, it was spot on by Dre. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. That's a really, really smart thing to say. But my – issue is that if he's not elite on defense with his well-publicized offensive woes, you know, even 
though he's working with Lethal Shooter. Maybe that'll get better. But if he's not elite on defense, how much value is he bringing? You know, like if he's a, even though he was doing great things by the time he got hurt with his cutting and, and getting rid of the ball quickly and shooting fewer threes. If he's not elite on defense, I, I think he's still a negative on offense. So I, I don't know how much value he brings if he's not awesome. And I don't think we have the the bandwidth to have a negative player in the starting lineup. So if, if it will help his health, I think it would help the team if he doesn't play until he's elite again, if that makes sense. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, you know, ideally, uh, the other thing that I, I forgot to mention about what Billy said, and this ties in, you know, showing up for the teams that we're supposed to show up against and showing up for the teams that, you know, we expect to beat into oblivion. Um, if we beat the teams that, you know, we're supposed to beat, you know, not the playoff contenders, but the Sacramento Kings, the Phoenix Suns, the Brooklyn Nets, you know, the list goes on. And, you know, Lando. Yeah, Orlando, of course. Um, you know, we're able to, you know, rest our stars in the fourth quarter, then maybe that's when you could throw Dre out there, you know, with, um, you know, little risk in terms of, you know, losing the game or performance or chemistry or anything, and he can get legit basketball activity. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure that – I'm not sure that – playing in an actual NBA game is is much more valuable to rehabbing back into shape than playing basketball in practice. It might be. I'm not sure it is. I think there's more risk of injury. Um, but I, I don't I don't know. I mean I've had my share of knee injuries, but I don't feel like I I'm no expert, you know. But it so I defer to the Thunders medical staff. If if they think there's value in doing what you just said, then I think they're right. Yeah, for sure. I, I get what you're saying. Um, uh, the one thing I do want to touch on before we close the book on Dre on this part, um, you know, like we said, he mentioned himself being an elite defender. And, you know, if there's one thing that we've learned about Dre over the years is he's lacked confidence. Mm-hmm. And him calling himself an elite defender is, uh, you know, an indication that, hey, maybe this guy's got a little bit of confidence. Maybe he can puff his chest out a little bit, hit a free throw once in a while. <laughs> Yeah, it helps that he uh, he's he's dating Rachel Demita. That that seems to have boosted his confidence a little bit. So, way to go, Dre! You're winning on in life and on the basketball court. So there you go. <laughs> All right. So talking about Alex Marinas and his confidence, um, let's shift gears to somebody who doesn't have any issues of confidence. And uh, let's start. Let's talk about Steven Adams a little bit, your favorite guy. He is my favorite. I, I, I'm not sure you're right about his lack of confidence. I, I think he's a, a pretty uh, low-ego guy, right? I, I don't think he thinks much of himself, or maybe he's just <laughs> acting up. Yeah. I... He, 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 he spent a long time talking about how he was just awkward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, the thing is, you can be awkward and still confident. Like, I'm That's confident true. that I'm awkward, you know? 
That's like the positive, like be positive. Like, I'm positive this is terrible. That's the same. Yeah. <laughs> right. That, that that is true. Um <laughs> yeah, I, I thought uh you know, he didn't really have many noteworthy things to say basketball court wise. Um he did call I think it was Nerlands. He called Nerlands a good lad. <laughs> a good lad. That's which, great. Which always makes me laugh. Um he uh, he called he, Eric Horn a sneaky little bugger, I think. Right, right. He called their reporters squires, which I know he's done before. But mm. <laughs> right, yeah. Everybody <laughs> had their own little goodbye, and Stephen just stands up, and says squires, squires. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he a couple more just straight personality things on him. He uh, the very first question. I don't I don't know who asked it. But the first question the the person asked, he was going to ask, Nerland was super high on, and I think it was actually him. I think he said Nerland was super high on you or high on playing with you or something. Mm -hmm. Right after Nerland was super high, (laughs) Stephen Adams interrupted, like, just to freak out. Yeah. (laughs) The reporter would say Nerland was at the interview high. (laughs) <laughs> and that's funny too because was it this past season that Nerlens like was suspended the last uh the last few games for substance abuse or something? Or not yeah, substance man. abuse, but like using marijuana. Okay. Yeah, so I mean I guess I guess of all the players on the team that was that was believable. So Steven was like, Oh crap already. <laughs> already, yeah, exactly. Uh <laughs> It was it was great. Also, there was apparently it was uh, Patrick Patterson who who went after Stephen Adams had come into the room and Stephen Adams was calling him a wanker and telling <laughs> people to throw him out. <laughs> he said, "Go watch a movie or something." That, oh, that killed me. Yeah, he is because he's, he's always tweeting about movies. That was great. My my main takeaway from Stephen Adams' segment. Was just that he's really, really smart. Oh yeah, for sure, man. He's he's super intelligent. Which you know, after reading his book and seeing, you know, how much he struggled to get an education, um, yeah, it, it just makes it even more impressive. Um, but I mean, uh, the dude's the smartest guy in the room almost anywhere he goes, uh, and you know, his intellect far surpasses what you would think it is. Um, you know, in real life and especially in basketball terms. But he's just a funny, awkward guy. He didn't have much to say basketball-wise, except he did say that uh, he didn't really have much much trouble uh, transitioning um, from uh, from switching one through five, like switching onto the guards. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it was Eric Warner – or no, it was Barry. It was Barry Trammell. Um, He – he was saying, did you, you know, talk about the struggle that you had, you know, transitioning to guarding quicker players. It's like, there wasn't much struggle, mate, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, and and Alex and uh, Alex uh, Roig and a running theme of his questions was asking Stephen about how, how he's adjusted his game to the evolving center position in the league, basically referring to more skilled centers. And it, most players would just say 
something generic, you know, like the Thunder speak, uh, Billy Donovan speak. They would they would just say like, well, you know, it's a struggle, and I'm I'm trying to get better at it. And yeah, people are more mobile, and I you have to just kind of stay on your feet. Stephen Adams always gives a very X's and O's answer. He talked about how coming off a screen, you have to step forward instead of instead of drop, taking a drop step when when the person that you're guarding is a, a threat to shoot. And I, that's the thing that made me just that just struck me about how smart he is. That it's always analytical. It's it's never generic with him. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, and he even talked about Dennis a little bit. Uh, sorry, I just I just burped to my podcast. Uh, it's my podcast. I can do what I want. Um, but he was talking about Dennis, how, you know, in the few games that he had, that he played pickup with Dennis, he was uh, – the main thing that he took away was uh, the angles that he used on the pick and roll, which is something that I noticed right away whenever, you know, we was first linked to Dennis Reuter and somebody on Reddit, like, posted his highlights from the season. I was like, you know, the way he finds angles in the pick and roll and finds passing angles is just – ridiculous and then the other thing he said which i think is super important is the way he attacks those angles at the uh and i think he said the pace that he attacks the angles how he comes off of those picks so he's like you know that that, that was just something that i picked up in the few pickup games can't really take away too much from that but you know that's what i picked up and there you go steven steven be a little bit analytical again <laughs> Yeah, and you know, I'll do respect to Al Horford, who is by all accounts a great screener. But if, if Schroeder takes great angles on screens, uh, he has never worked with a screener like Stephen Adams. That's for sure. There you go. I totally forgot Al Horford played at the Hawks. I was I was expecting a Celtics take in there, but uh, you're right. I, I completely forgot about his time there. <laughs> Yeah, he's a good screener. He's expanded his range to the three-point line, though, which is something that Stephen Adams was pretty clear that he is not going to do this upcoming season. Yeah, he's like, me shoot a three-pointer? <laughs> Gives a face, no. He <laughs> never even considered it. <laughs> even though we've seen him do it in practice. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, if you're reading his book, you know, he's, he even said, you know, he was talking yeah. about, you know, how Mark Gasol shoots threes. And he's like, you know, I'll, I'll, it's something I'll eventually do. And it's, you know, it's inevitable. It's like, all right, Steven, when's it going to happen? Yeah, and I mean, but that's another mark of somebody who is really, really smart like he is, you know, is that self-awareness to know it's something I'll eventually do, but it's something that is laughable to consider at this moment. Yeah. Like, that's a, a level of self-awareness that most players never, never get to. All right. Well, I've, I've, well, we've gushed about Steven a little bit. Um, so let's let's move on to another player. We mentioned two players, so we're going to do a little segment here. Pick your transition. <laughs> um, pick your transition, Steven. We talked about this. We talked about Nerlens. Who do you want to go with next? Uh, we can do Nerlens for a second. All right. Tee it off, man. I, I thought it was really admirable how how – Somebody asked him a question about playing with a team with Steven Adams on it. And I I think it's pretty clear that Steven Adams is going to be the, the starter, play the bulk of the minutes. And in kind of what became a running theme throughout the press conference, Nerlens was super uh, sacrificial, like team friendly about it. 
saying that he just respects Steven and whatever it takes for the team to win. You saw it with Felton in regards to Schroeder. You saw it with Patterson in regards to Grant and vice versa. And I think that's something that's really admirable. And I, I think that it's something that's going to make the team really good uh, to have players willing to accept their roles. Like, we don't have anybody saying, who, me? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. You um, don't have anybody. Uh, uh, Steven Adams yelled to Patrick Patterson, you wanker, get out of here. He didn't <laughs> yell, hey, Pete, it said I got to come off the bench, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, it's it's a nice dynamic, and I think Nerland's considering that he had other offers on the table reportedly, uh, might be the most sacrificial of that group. He had the most choice in it, anyways. Yeah, th- that's something that gets left out of, and I actually completely forgot about until you brought that up. And I feel really dumb considering I wrote an article about it and there was no L and I didn't include this. He chose good, good oh, article. Thanks should read that article. I appreciate that, definitely. It, it was entertaining with all the gifts and everything. Or gifs. Do you say gifs or gifs? I say gifs and I'm mad at you if you say gifs. <laughs> My wife says gifs like giraffe. <laughs> well, let her know I'm mad at her. <laughs> uh all right, but yeah. Um I'm actually like, you know, like I said, I'm upset I didn't include that in his article because, like, this is a guy who chose to come to Oklahoma City. Another, again, another guy picking a small market um, to to play a backup role to Steven Adams, mm-hmm. to play alongside Russell Westbrook and Paul George over, at vet- yeah, at the vet minimum, over playing in Los Angeles with LeBron James, probably starting over JaVale McGee. <laughs> I bet they were interested. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what's funny and awesome is that usually when players are picking who they're going to play for and, and they're kind of weighing their priorities, you see money versus playing time and opportunity, right? He sacrificed both basically to get the culture. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, you know, we, we laughed about McGee joining the Lakers and all the other signings that the Lakers had. And Nerlens would have just been part of the punchline there. You know, now it's really admirable, not even just from a Thunder standpoint, but from an NBA fan standpoint. It's admirable that Nerlens is trying to change his career, his perception, mm-hmm. really his life around at OKC. So uh, it's going to be interesting. I've heard in several places that, um, he is. It was really a tough decision for him. Like he wasn't given any guarantees, and I think that makes it that much more admirable. Yeah, I think uh, Bill even said, you know, uh, his situation is going to be an uphill climb. So it, it's actually going to be harder for you to come here. So. Again, just it speaks to how admirable the move is. Um, but but the one thing that stood out to me, you know, aside from you know him gushing about Stephen Adams and you know Russ and Paul George and everybody, um, was he said, you know, I think somebody asked the question about you know watching the tape on the Thunder the past season. Do you see how you know a role you could fill? 
and he automatically said, you know, you know, watching the season and watching the playoffs especially, I noticed that obviously there was a hole at the backup center position. So for me to come in here and fill that role, you know, playing solid defense, protecting the rim, you know, I, I'm, you know, basically he's like, you know, I'm just super excited. I, you know, I can fill that role and I, you know, I can help the team that way. So, and absolutely he can. Like he's, he's literally like the perfect backup center to Steven Adams because he's almost like a Steven Adams light in the fact mm-hmm. that he sets good screens, he can catch lobs, and he's a better shot blocker than Steven, but – you know, he's just a he's a six eleven body down low. So really excited for Nerlens on the team. And and that matches uh Schroeder and Westbrook, right? Uh Schroeder's Westbrook light, and that's awesome. Same style. Yeah, for sure. Well, picking up with that transition, man, we gotta talk about Dennis Schroeder, which uh, you know, we talked about Paul George's facial hair. You know, we gotta talk about Dennis Schroeder's lack of hair, which uh, a friend of the podcast down to Dunk Coast, Andrew Schlecht. Um, was, <laughs> he, did, he didn't even say, you know, Andrew Schleck down to dunk. He didn't say, uh, Dennis, blah, 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 this. He was like, Dennis, why'd you cut your hair? <laughs> I enjoy Andrew's questions. He's, he's very conversational. Like, once he asks a question and then they answer, it's usually like a, a few back and forths. I think it would be nice if the rest of the reporters did that. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but I mean, well, the hair will grow back, and Schroeder said that. And I mean, I was—I said it from the beginning. He, this was not a permanent thing he was doing. I don't know why he did it. I think the, the fresh start narrative is a is kind of a Paul George thing to say, <laughs> but I, I think it'll it'll grow back, and his gold patch will return. Yeah, that was that was huge for me, man, because, you know, everybody else calls it the blonde patch, but he said, no, nah, this is the gold patch. Better. It's better. There, there's that confidence we're talking about. Maybe it rubbed off on Robertson a little bit there. A um, couple yeah. things on Schroeder, you know, he obviously talked about playing with Russell, who he called Wessel a lot. Did, was he actually uh, saying Wessel, or did it sound like Wessel? Yeah, it's, it's just the German. It yeah. It was the German accent. I, I I mean, this is the five-year-old in me, I guess. I, I giggled every time he said Russell. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, there's, um, there's, there's, certain, there's certain national hosts who can't say Russell Westbrook consistently correctly. It can be a little bit of a – especially if you're, like, heated, like you're really passionate about what you're saying. It's just like, oh, yeah. over this. It's a tough one, so I don't blame him. Yeah, Man, uh, the big thing – Oh, good. We, what what do you what do you call somebody who speaks two languages? Bilingual. Three languages. Trilingual. What do you call somebody who speaks one language? Lingual. American. Solo-lingual? Uh <laughs> That that is possibly the truest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> And he's German, so you know respect. I don't. I'm not gonna give him accent grief. Yeah, for sure. No, I just, I, I just thought it was funny. It caught me off guard more than anything. Um, mm-hmm. but another thing that caught me off guard, and something that you know, kind of echoed what I've been saying ever since you know we made this trade. And I touched on a little bit with what Billy was saying. You know, Shooter kind of put to bed any room, any, uh, any thought that he's not a good defensive player. 
You know, right. he, he said, you know, the first four or five years in Atlanta, that was my role. Come in off the bench, lock up the mm-hmm. guys, you know, pick up full court. And that's what I did. You know, if you look at him, you know, he's short. I think he's listed at 6'3", but he's got a long wing, wingspan. He's got quick feet. He's got big hands. He's got, he's you know, he's quick. So he's got the archetype to be a good defender. It's just like we said, you know, those, those past couple of years where he was the Atlanta Hawks offense, like how the Atlanta Hawks, Atlanta Hawks offense went was determined by Dennis Schroeder. You know, he, he kind of put defense on the back burner a little bit. But my whole thought process is, you know, playing in a condensed role, playing against, you know, not primarily – yeah, I'll say primarily. Playing against primarily second-unit guys – you sure. know, there's no reason to not expect Dennis Schroeder to at least play adequate defense. I'm not expecting him to be Andre Robertson out there at the point guard position or Patrick Beverly or somebody, um, you know, but, you know, stay in front of your guy. Don't fall asleep on a, you know, off-ball cut or somebody spotting up in the corner. I don't think that's too much to ask, and I think – I don't think I'm crazy in thinking he can deliver, you know. I mean, if you're crazy, then Sam Presti's crazy, and I'll fight you if that's what you think. <laughs> Fighting so, for Sam, man. I mean, Sam said he could get back to being, quote, an elite defender. Uh, you know, that's uh, maybe his eyes are bigger than his stomach on that one. <laughs> but there's been some talk that Schroeder, early in his career, would pick up people full court like somebody we know named Ray Felton, right? He likes to do that kind of thing. Yeah. I think that's valuable cuz you can get a you can get a team shot clock down to down to I, I don't know, 16 15 seconds by the time they get the ball down the court. That's useful. Um like you said, he's not tall, but he's long and he's athletic and there's a lot of hope that the reason for his poor performance in the Atlanta last two seasons that he was just doing too much. Like you said, he, he I mean, we see it with Westbrook, right? Where he mm-hmm. on offense that he takes possessions off on defense and that's reasonable and normal. And it would be nice if it wasn't the case, but it's kind of necessary. Um, and also, just aside from the fact of how much load he had to carry, they were a really bad team. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. How, how hard is it to bear down and you just made a layup, which felt fun. Layups are fun. Mm-hmm. Now you have to go lock down, I, I don't know, Russell Westbrook or whoever on the other end yeah. to get to get your 19th win of the season? Like, is that fun? Nobody. <laughs> and even if you succeed in locking up that guy, the rest of your team is not going to succeed in locking up the rest of the team. And it's for your 10th win or whatever. Like, yeah. it's hard. It, it would uh, – there's a handful of players in the league that would actually give full defensive effort on defense on a team with, with no hope. And – that extends not only to the defense, but to I think his three-point shooting numbers, and and not so much the hope thing, but his role, because 
if you look back before last season, Kuda was, I don't know, like a 36 or something percent shooter from three, like mm-hmm. especially on shoots. He was adequate, more than adequate. But then last year he was running the whole offense. He's taking tough shots. He's, I'm sure his catch and shoots were few and far between because he had the ball in his hand most of the times. And the hope is that last year was an outlier based on usage and, and over usage and that he can get back to the shooter that he was. The year before. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, the other thing uh, to point out about Dennis is I think it was Eric, Eric Horn, that asked about his legal situation, um, mm-hmm. you know, with this potential battery charge in Atlanta. <laughs> to which De- Dennis responded, appreciate you asking me that. I knew it was going to come up. <laughs> yeah, Basically, somebody did ask. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, credit to Eric Horn for asking the hard questions because, you know, somebody's got to but um you know he basically was like you know it's it's in process and he basically was like you know it's nothing to worry about and he pivoted and he was like you know i'm excited to play for this season i'm excited to you know give everything for this team and after that nobody dared ask a question yeah and it's kind of the same feeling i got from presty when he was asked about it which is that it's an uncomfortable situation but it's one that Schroeder is handling. I mean, I I feel like reading between the lines that he's going to pay the guy some money and then it'll, it'll go away. Yeah. That that that's probably why this whole thing is a thing anyways. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I'm if it was I think if the same situation happened with you or I, then it it wouldn't have lingered <laughs> long. But he happens to have millions of dollars, so you know, speaking of somebody that uh, seemed a little guarded, and this could just be me and my perception of how it went, uh, d- did it seem to you Jeremy Grant was a little guarded in his answers? No, I didn't think so. I, I think he's, uh, I think he's a pretty reserved guy in general. I think uh, if he if he's reserved or guarded, I think it's because he has a dad who played in the league and a brother and I think it's a a learned trait <laughs> they're, they're like don't say too much you know yeah pass down wisdom I, I understand yeah yeah he uh he didn't really offer up much in terms of in terms of the interview um you know he said he's been working uh during the season that was a recording um, he just talked about how much he was working yep yeah which hey I'm all for Jamie Jamie Grant working. So I I think I actually I tweeted my quick takeaways on Twitter um, from the press conference, and for Jamie Grant, I just said JG been working. <laughs> yep, and that's that's all you had to take away from that. So uh, moving on from JG to the guy who potentially he's competing with for the starting forward position is Patrick Patterson. And, uh, you know, Patch Patterson, uh, first of all, you know, he looks like he's in super great shape. And he even, you know, kind of commented on that, you know, last year, you know, he had the PRP injection. Or no, he had the scope, sorry. 
he had the scope in his knee, and so he wasn't yeah. coming into media day. He wasn't coming to training camp healthy. I think he missed most of the training camp, if I'm not mistaken. And obviously, it, it got him off to a slow start during the season. But, you know, he, he was another guy who was super upbeat. Um, you know, you could tell he was excited to be there because he was able to participate. You know, he's he was healthy. He was able to work during the offseason, you know, get his body right. Um, and, you know, he, he seemed excited for the task at hand. And, you know, obvious question was, you know, do you see yourself playing the four? That's what, you know, all signs pointed to last year. Um, and obviously, you know, it didn't work out. And the thing that he said was, you know, I just want to play, man. <laughs> I mean, plain and simple, that's, that's basically what he said. He said, I just want to play. So uh, what, what do you think about that, Steve? Yeah, I think that was kind of a recurring theme of of, of this press conference, um, which is something I wrote about for recently on Thunderous Intentions, the fact that we've had three-plus years of – will they won't they and for the first time since 2014 there's been there's no off the court drama in in the sense of contracts and who who will stay and who will go it's it's kind of a situation now where we can just focus on basketball and be the team who sneaks up on people where you haven't seen us on espn for the last week and then we just come in and blow you out of your gym. And I think that's really great. I think that's the way this team should be. Like Al Davis said it best, just win, baby, win. Win, baby, win. Uh, roar from the silence. <laughs> All right. Uh, talk- no, he's great. He's great. Pat Patterson's – I always like to hear him talk, and I agree that he's in great shape. And I think that the other recurring theme of the of the – press conference was people who aren't concerned with the other people competing for their spots. And I think he and Felton were kind of the leaders of that movement. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, Felton and Patterson are two veterans. Um, obviously, I guess they're competing with younger guys who are still veterans, um, but obviously they're younger. So it, it was a good veteran move um, for in terms of chemistry and morale for the team. So uh, definitely yep. commend them for that. But, Dylan Hunsinger still wants Patrick Patterson to start power forward. So do I. Um, moving on to another position battle, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, uh, is all the wings that we've touched on. Um, again, Abdel Nader, uh, you know, he was up there for a while. He actually answered a lot of questions. Uh, my takeaway from Abdel Nader's time is that he didn't actually play basketball in Egypt. You know, a lot of people want to say that this is a basketball player from Egypt, and everybody's like, oh, how did he get started playing basketball in Egypt? Well, he didn't. He moved to the States around eight years old, and I think he said he started playing around age 13. So that's my takeaway from Abdel. What you got for Abdel? My takeaway from Abdel is actually not from his interview. I mean, that was all very interesting. But, I mean, I know uh, Billy Donovan mentioned him. Mm-hmm. I know Westbrook mentioned him. He called him Nadar, but uh, you know sometimes Westbrook doesn't. Russ gonna rust, man. Pronunciations. <laughs> like, I don't. Th- I still don't think he knows how to how to say Domas or Domas, <laughs> right? 
Uh, I know that uh, who else? Somebody else mentioned him. It wasn't Adams, but somebody else big mentioned Nader. Was it uh, Paul? Yeah, yeah, it was PG. Uh, so I just, in the same way that earlier I said I wish Diallo had gotten a mention in that one quote, Nader is getting all the mentions. I, I think he is going to play. I think he's going to play. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, I, I would not be shocked, especially with, you know, just the way Billy Donovan runs his team. So, I think he'll get a shot alongside a good old TLC, Timotei, Timmy, Timo, whatever you want to call him. Uh, TLC really didn't have a lot to say. I actually didn't put him in my in my media day notes. Um, the main yeah. thing that I got is that uh, he hadn't really paid attention to the Thunder prior to coming here. <laughs> I mean, my only thing is that uh, we can call him Timmy, which, which helps a lot of people. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I've i made kind of a big deal about who gets mentioned in these things. And I, I don't think it's meaningless because we've seen for over a year now, people talk so glowingly about Terrence Ferguson. And he's been given every opportunity to mm-hmm. get his spot way more than Abrina, right? And I feel like people are making a point of mentioning Nader, and I, I think that's noteworthy. For sure, man. Well, that's uh, that's Nader and TLC for you. Let's talk about the guys that uh, have been on the Thunder. Um, let's talk about Abrina's first, um, who – Interestingly, we found out today he is the fourth longest tenured player on the Oklahoma City Thunder, which is wild to think about. Yeah, that's um, crazy. So, obviously, Russ, Steven, and then Dre are the only ones that have been on the Thunder longer than him. But uh, the big takeaway that I got from Abrinas was he was kind of shocked at himself. Um, he said that, you know, towards the end of the season, he realized that, hey, I can play, and what he was saying, or what he said, was great defense, um, yep. which is you know different, obviously, than what Presty said about Schroeder's elite defense and Robertson being an elite defender. So, a little step down, but you know, obviously, we saw it in the playoffs and towards the end of the season how Abrinas really stepped up on the defensive end, and that showed in Billy kind of trusting him a little bit more, giving him a little bit more run. So, uh, hopefully we can see a little bit more of that defense and Abrinas can carve himself a nice little role in the rotation. What would you take away from Alex? Yeah, that would be great. And, I mean, with him saying great defense, I, I hesitate to kind of dissect the phrasing of, yeah. of the foreign players, right? So, maybe he meant great for him or really good or, you know, it's, it's hard to be perfectly accurate in your mm-hmm. second third language. But my main takeaway was where does facial hair go? Yes. Uh, I completely forgot about saying that. Team he Wolf. Said that, uh, some, yeah, somebody asked him if it was because he got married. And he's like, no, no, I needed to make a change. Well, he had and, the full his wedding photos, I think. Yeah, I think he did. But, like... I'm going to need him to grow that back, man, because if he's not rubbing his chops after he makes a three, then what's what good is he on this team? 
Yeah, well, my actually my hope. So it it took him to sh it took him shaving his beard before I noticed, but I think he looks a lot like Freddie Mercury <laughs> now that he has no facial hair. So my dream is that he grows that Freddie Mercury mustache and becomes a new sash bro. Oh boy, <laughs> that'd be wild. <laughs> He's so great, right? <laughs> All right, we're talking can, about a guy who has no facial hair here. You play We Will Rock You over the uh, speaker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if, if you start and just, just play it out there for him. Yeah. But uh, talking about a guy who has no facial hair, and obviously he's competing for the wing spot too, um, be Terrence Ferguson. Uh, and the main thing I took away from what Ferg had to say was um, – he touched on how uncomfortable it was, you know, playing as one of the main ball handlers in summer league, how it was out of his comfort zone, but how he felt like he needed to do that. Um, so that, that, that's kind of what I took away from him. Obviously he said he's been working and the main thing that he's been working on is his body, you know, changing his body, changing his diet, the things that he eats and, you know, really focusing on this year. So, uh, that was all encouraging. What what'd you take away? Yeah, it, it was. It's nice to see that he's focusing on that, and we saw him focusing on it in the summer league. But, um, you know, every little bit helps. But I don't think he's ready yet, and uh, I think his performance proved that. But as for his body, yeah, he looked bigger, right? He he definitely did. Mm-hmm. Right when you're on the same stage in the same posture as Russell Westbrook with shoulders the size of his head, like it's hard, to, hard to give you full credit for it. Yeah, for sure, man. It's a, uh, you know, like, like I said, it, it, it's just encouraging to see that work ethic in all these young guys and that, you know, that's a work ethic that I think was instilled by Russell Westbrook. Um, you know, yep. Victor Depot's touched on, you know, Russell Westbrook instilling that work ethic in him and how he transformed his body and the way he plays and the way he prepares um, based on his time with Russell Westbrook and seeing, you know, his work ethic. So it's nice to see that trickle down. And, uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of young guys and they're all going to get their chance. And, um, you know, if, if they're listening to what Russ is saying, then they're well on their way <laughs> to finding their place in the Thunder. Yep, yep. But uh, let's see here. So, real quick, Ray came up. Um, at full disclosure, I missed Ray's interview because my sister-in-law was here for like five seconds. Um, what did you take away from Ray? Uh, he's just the consummate professional. He, he he is the person. So, like, Nerlens came in knowing that Steven Adams would be ahead of him, and that's that's a decision he made. Um. Patterson and Grant, you know, they're each fighting for something. Ray Felton had Dennis Schroeder come in and take his spot, basically, right? I mean, I yeah. know they'll play together some, but it's got to hurt some. And he he just gave all the right answers, man. It, it, it was so encouraging. And he called himself the big brother of the team. Um he implied that he knew what Paul George was going to do before anybody else. <laughs> I, 
I've said before that I hope if he wants a bigger role that we trade him because I love the guy. Mm-hmm. But once today, like he's there, there's been a lot of talk of of Westbrook and Paul George taking over the Nick Collison leadership mantle. Yeah, I think, I think Ray Dalton is is the natural inheritor. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit last time you came on uh, about, you know, Ray's role. You know, you said, you know, obviously if he wants to play, then you hope that they, they trade him. So he has a chance to do that. So he has a chance, you know, to get out there and play. But if he's cool just collecting that vet minimum, sitting on the edge of the bench, being ready if we need him and providing leadership to the youngsters, then, you know, that's the perfect role for Ray. So I'm glad he's buying into that. I think I, I see Ray as, you know, Kind of like an uncle to these players, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, he said big brother. Oh, this, but this, but uh, they're if, all members so, of the family. <laughs> he wants to go somewhere else to play. We're never going to hear about it because he's that kind of guy. He's just going to go talk to Sam. Mm-hmm. But if that's what he wants, which, again, we'll never know. I hope he gets it. All right, man. Well, the last two people we got is Burton. Uh, the only thing that I got on Burton is he said that his transition from Korea to the NBA is was scary. <laughs> I bet. I bet it was. I, I think that I uh, I could be completely wrong. Oh no, wait. Uh, Mikey Barra said that that Korea league is transitioning soon to a height limit. So that's the kind of league that is. Um, I bet. I bet it was scary. Wow, <laughs> that's yeah. wild. Yeah. You got anything else from Burton? <laughs> Just closing no, the book on. A little bit. He talked about that it messed up his depth, depth perception, which you know he played really, really well. So maybe, maybe his uh, depth perception should should be messed up. Should stay messed up. Yeah. As long as if he's gonna wear that mask again, though, I hope it fits his face better instead of sticking out six inches. Yeah, that was a weird look. Uh, I saw a lot of people was upset when uh, he wasn't gonna wear his mask again. Um, I know. I think it was his Instagram. He said that he hated that thing. <laughs> so well, there's the, only one player who ever wore it on habit, right? Rip Hamilton. Yeah. Everybody wears it when they have to, and then gets rid of it. You, you get sweat under it, right? What? Mm-hmm. Why would you do? And honestly, looking back, it was kind of weird that Rip did it, but it was also awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely Also, looking back, how cool was the rust mask? <laughs> yeah, for sure. With the headband and the coast-to-coast dunk and the ridiculous averages. That was, was triple-double rust before triple-double rust was there. Yep, yep, yep. Speaking of rust... He's our last player oh. to cover here. Um, honestly, Russ didn't have the, – the thing that I took away, I, I, I'm sure you'll, you'll talk about what he said with his injury, but the thing that I took away from Russ is he didn't seem as abrasive. Um, you know, even, oh, when, even in that last a question, you know, where he was asked about his injury, he, he didn't smart off. He wasn't trying to make the dude look stupid. He was laughing with him. You know, he wasn't laughing at him. He was laughing with the guy. 
And, you know, he talked about how his, his transition into fatherhood and now his fatherhood of twins, um, you know, affects his, uh, how he leads his team, how he's matured as a person, as a player. And, you know, he kind of was like, yeah, it, it has, it definitely has. And, you know, I think you'll see that. And I think that's an example right there, you know, because Russ, even like a year or, you know, two years ago, he would have just stared at that guy like, why are you asking me that? Yeah, it would have been a very easy question for him to make seem ridiculous just by his reaction. And, you know, I took I took the exact same thing away that you did. He seemed so relaxed, didn't he? Yeah. He was just, like, chilled. He, I mean, he had the KB3 necklace on, which is sad, um, but cool. And he was just sitting there with his massive shoulders hunched forward, just, like, hanging out. Like, we're here to chat. And, you know, it was – most of his answers were pretty typical, Russ. Just uh, Billy Donovan, coach speak. Mm-hmm. We're going to work hard, stuff like that. But, yeah, that – you're right. That response to that reporter really struck me at the time. Like – that's something that he normally would have said, but he's laughing with the guy. He's smiling as he said it. He's not scowling. And I love a rough scowl as much as uh, or more than the next person, but it's nice to see him not scowling. Yeah, and that and that was, you know, my huge takeaway is just, you know, like I was I was driving home and I had it on my mount, but I was listening to it. And I heard him say, what'd you read? And I could just picture him, you know, like kind of, you know, lifting his chin up, like looking down at the guy, like, oh, oh what'd you read? But then, like, yep. I looked and he's smiling. And I was like, you know, th- that's notable. That is definitely notable in, uh, you know, Russell Westbrook's uh, change in demeanor. He was in on the joke. Yeah, for sure. Um, All right, so my mic was acting up a little bit, but we have covered all of the training camp stuff that we needed to cover. I believe we've covered the entire roster. Um, I, I for one, Stephen, am super excited for this team to see what we got in store for the season, and I I wish it would start tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah, I I wish it would start tomorrow, except I also wish we had more time to prepare – certain things but it's it's a nice mix because the the wishing i had more time makes it come too fast which is perfect because it can't come fast enough that that is fair analysis my friend and the thing that you touched on right there uh (laughs) we're actually not at liberty to discuss at the time all i could say is uh be peeping the twitter sphere uh if you you stay tuned on thunder twitter i'm sure you'll uh See some news dropping by about uh, mine and Steven's endeavors. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we, we can't say much about it. I'll say stay tuned. Uh, it, it will be dropping sometime on Tuesday. So pay attention to that. Um, but, yeah, Steve, like I said, man, it's going to be a great season. Uh, you know, not looking behind our so- shoulder to see if somebody is leaving. And, you know, just play ball, man. You know, I said just win, baby, win, Al Davis. Just ball, baby, ball. <laughs> just ball 
It, it's so great. And people people can forget about us until we until we kick their butts again for the first Dag- time in four years. Daggone right. October 16th, man. Let's kick them. <laughs> Let's kick them. All right, man. Well, uh, Al- uh, wow. I almost got you, Alex. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Stephen, where, people, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at Thunderous Intentions, where I write occasionally. Um, you can find me at Steve Thunderfan on Twitter, where I tweet regularly. And that's about it for now. And you defend Jimmy Butler mercilessly. <laughs> I don't defend him. I just think well, you get an all-star on your team. You take the all-star on your team. I don't see people. I think people are overthinking it. Yeah, no, I, I'm just giving you a hard time, man. <laughs> you know me, you know me. But speaking of Twitter, you can follow me at Thunder Chats. Definitely appreciate the follow. I've recently eclipsed a thousand follows. Super excited about that. I'm hot on your tail. Yeah, what, what you at right now? Uh, 982. All right, man. Jump up. We've been neck and neck for like the past two months. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. I mean, you, you've you've surpassed me, but I'm 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 chasing your heels. I, I think we're picking up a lot of the same followers. <laughs> it's probably true. Probably true. Um, but yeah, either way, follow us. We're both great followers on Twitter. Uh, we're both very active uh, and interactive. There's a difference between active and interactive on Twitter. Um, you know, my pods are on there. My articles are on there. Stephen's articles are on there, and. We both post polls. You know, like I said, we're, we're always on there. So definitely check us out. We are, I would wager to say, the best follows on Thunder Twitter. <laughs> you ain't lying. <laughs> All right, Steve, man. I appreciate you coming on uh, and talk a little bit about training camp. Like we said, more stuff in the works. So I'll be, you'll be hearing from both of us soon. But uh, hope you have a great night, man. Yeah, anytime, dude. H- had a good time. Let's talk again. All right, man. Sounds good. Appreciate you guys listening to Thunder Chats. Uh, Y'all have a great night. God bless. Thunder up. This has been Thunder Chats. Ho! That was was a bad ho, but it's been a while. It it was was a a howl. That was a wolf (laughs) howl. It was like Adam Levine in that uh, animal song. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. Have a good one. We'll see you, bud. See you later.